You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome into the Hogbeat Hour, presented by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers, locations in Fayetteville and Russellville. Hutch, you posted on the board earlier this week that you used to stop in the Russellville location. I used to stop there with my dad all the time. Now I'm eating at the one in Fayetteville probably more often than I should, but the burgers are that good that I got to do it. So, um, I mean, how often are you going to CJ's Hutch? Probably not as I used to now that I have a two-year-old, but uh, back before I, I had my daughter, uh, that was a, a frequent stopping spot for uh, my wife and I. We love the burgers. We love the fries. And hey, apparently everyone does because they're up for the best of NWA. You can go on there and vote for them as the best burger, the best fries, uh, they definitely get my endorsement. So, so get on there and, and give them some love and stop by. If, if you haven't, you won't regret it. Exactly. And they get my endorsement too. best burger I've had in Fayetteville. And I've lived here for three years now and I eat a lot of burgers. So go try CJ's now. Um, but guys, let's talk about this Missouri game. Last game of the regular season. Um, they did what they had to do. And Finally, you get over that hump of beating Missouri. You snap the five-game losing streak. You get all three trophies. Hutch, let's start with you. Um, also, we have Alex Trader along. Alex will come in um, later on as well. But Hutch, this this Missouri game, what stood out to you as far as the Arkansas performance and just the difference between the Arkansas team that's lost five games in a row to Missouri? Yeah, I mean – you didn't know what to expect with this game because it has been so weird. There's been times where Arkansas has apparently been the better team, but still found a way to lose. And uh, the way the first half was going, you, you started wondering if we might be in for a dogfight. And there is nothing about that game that should have been close, uh, to be quite honest. I mean, Arkansas had a talent advantage. It was clearly the better team. Uh, and they they showed that in the second half when they – I think they scored on four straight possessions and, and blew the game open. Uh, that that was some big plays, too. I mean, they hit a 52-yard bomb to Burks. They had a big 50-plus yard gain on a, a screen to Davion Warren. Uh, Keetron Jackson caught a big pass. Uh, it was a just a, you know, when they when they got those big, big plays going, uh, there was no doubt Arkansas was the better team. And uh, that was that was good to see because I know Arkansas fans, they they don't want to call it a rivalry. But, uh, boy, they wanted to beat Missouri really bad. So, I know it was a really enjoyable game uh, for the Arkansas fan base. Yeah, you mentioned that second half and how they came out and they, they scored um, and the offense was just clicking. But in the first half, it seemed like the trend of people being unhappy with some of the play calling was just continuing. And Twitter is just like a cesspool of, like, we hate Kendall Bryles. But Alex – Kendall Browles is not bad, and you saw it in that second half. They made adjustments, and Arkansas scored a lot in the second half. So just what do you think of that performance? Yeah, I think at times this year we've seen Browles go really, really conservative, and that I think draws a lot of ire from the fans. But when you're looking at it, it there's been moments this season where he's seemingly opened up the playbook and, and kind of run the offense that he wants to run, a little bit more fast-paced, a little bit more shot plays. I'm um, just trying to trying to move the ball downfield quickly. And I think when he's able to do that, uh, you're, you're seeing great things from this offense. Um, I, I think there is some concern from, from maybe coach Pittman trying to keep the game in check and keep it going at a pace that he's comfortable with and that he envisions the team going. But when there are those opportunities to take the big shot plays, you really need to try and take them. And I think in that second half, we saw, we saw the team doing that and then you see how it works out. The Razorback defense performed really well, didn't give up a touchdown until garbage time. Um, now, it was a, a pretty bad Missouri offense, but you got to think that Barry Odom and maybe uh, Trey Williams and Markel Utzi had a little bit more fight in them for this Missouri game, Hutch. And just do you think it was more of the Arkansas defense just playing really well or the Missouri offense was just that bad? I honestly think it was a matter of Missouri being that bad. They have have not been good on offense. Connor Basilak, who I think most of us thought was a, at least a decent quarterback, if not a good quarterback, uh, he has regressed mightily uh, in his second year under Eli Drinkwitz. And, you know, he completed like, what, 10 of 26 passes, threw an interception, 
just was not good. I think he had 65 yards passing the entire game. Uh, just they, they were so one-dimensional. You knew Tyler Beatty was going to get the ball and run it. I mean, he ran it 41 times for 219 yards, I want to say. But 41 times, that's that ties the most any player has ever run the ball against Arkansas uh, with a, a Tennessee running back back in, I think, the 2001 season. So you knew what they were going to do. And if you know what they're going to do, Barry Odom has shown he can stop you. He has been able to stop a one-dimensional offense. I mean, they've had success against Mississippi State the last couple of years. Uh, last year against Ole Miss, you knew they were going to be throwing it. And look what happened, you know, six interceptions. Uh, they can stop a one-dimensional offense. It's usually, unless you're Alabama and you're just that good as, uh, at throwing the ball. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it was just really – you got to give the defense credit for, for going out there and stopping them. Uh, but, yeah, that, that Missouri offense was just not good. Well, Monteric Brown got his fifth interception of the season against Missouri. Bumper pull, team-high 13 tackles, and then we saw Hayden Henry I mean, Hayden Henry was a man on a mission against Missouri. And so I feel like it was a, a game for some of these players that are probably going to move on um, to the next level. This was a game where they were able to show out, you know, pad the stats a little bit, get some highlights on tape. Hutch, I want to ask you specifically about Monteric Brown. Just do you see him having success at the next level? Because it seems like this season he's done really well, and Coach Pittman seems to have a lot of high praise for him. Yeah, it's a good question, uh, you know, because he's one of those guys that could technically come back next year as a super senior. Uh, he's he's a fifth year true senior. Uh, you know, I, I thought maybe early in the season he might have a chance, but him having the success he's had uh, pretty much in every game except for Alabama, which I feel like that deserves an asterisk just because Alabama is that good on offense. Uh, but he's done really well. I mean, he shut down uh, LSU, had a that critical interception. Uh, even against Alabama, he had, you know, stripped strip the ball and recovered it for a critical turnover in the fourth quarter. Uh, so he's played really well. I don't know if he's a draft guy. I mean, it probably is going to depend on how he, he tests it, like, you know, either comp, the combine or the uh, pro day, whichever one that he goes to and participates in. That'll probably dictate a lot of it, but he's certainly, uh, for a guy that was a heralded safety coming out of high school and didn't convert to corner until I think his second year in college, uh, pretty pretty good player for Arkansas, and they would certainly really love to have him back because that would be a, a big-time get for them. But I just – I don't know. He may just feel like, hey, I've had tied for the SEC lead interceptions. It's time for me to try the uh, try the next level. Well, speaking of the next level, we know of a guy that will go to the next level, and he will be a high draft pick. That's Traylon Burks, um, SEC Offensive Player of the Week after the Missouri game. These past two games against Missouri and Alabama, he has just been incredible. And it looks like it, he may or may not play in the bowl game. I don't know. Um, if he doesn't play in the bowl game, he's still going to be a first-round draft pick. Alex, do you think that he's maybe worked his way into the top ten? Uh, no, I don't think he's gotten that far up. I think, unfortunately for Traylon, this is a really, really stacked wide receiver class. You've got him. You've got Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, getting a lot of attention out from USC. Um, it he's, I, I have him as probably the third or fourth best receiver in the country right now, and I think that um, he's going to make someone very, very happy in the NFL. I've I've seen him mocked as high as thirty-two in the last couple of days, but. Um, I think a strong bowl performance could really up that stock uh, if he were to stick around. But what he's done these last couple of weeks has been really incredible. You know, I mean, tr uh, KJ completed just 15 passes last week and seven of them were to Traylon Burke. So when you've got a guy like that, that you can just give the ball to and give the ball to and give the ball to, you're going to find success. And, and Hutch always says it when he's in the box. You know, if I was coaching, I would simply give the ball to Traylon Burks. And that works every single time they try to do it. Well, speaking of K.J. Jefferson, I want to pose a question for you guys. Um, K.J. has been a lot better than expectations were coming into the season. Um, but at this point in the season, and maybe moving forward to next year, but let's just talk about quarterbacks in the SEC this season. How many quarterbacks in the SEC are you taking over K.J. Jefferson from this season? And Hutch, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, Bryce Young from Alabama – um, 
I would pro. I mean, you got to factor in, you know, what, what year they are. I mean, KJ, you've got at least for another year, if not a couple of years. Uh, Bryce Young, same thing. He's got to come back for at least another year. Uh, Matt Corral has been phenomenal, and I was very impressed by him whenever I watched him play against Arkansas early in the season. Uh, mobile guy, uh, can really throw the ball. He's been really, really good, but this is his last year. He's, he's going pro. He's not coming back. So I, I wouldn't trade KJ for, for Matt Corral. I would, I would take maybe Bryce Young, and that's about it. I mean, I know Hinn and Hooker at Tennessee has had a good season, uh, but what I've seen from KJ, just his, his clutch factor, his leadership, uh, in addition to his play on the field, it's hard to say you take anyone, but maybe Bryce Young, and he's, I mean, <laughs> a Heisman candidate uh, above him. I've heard, I've heard Young, of course. I've heard Corral and then Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Alex, what is your opinion? Would you take any of those guys over KJ Jefferson? Yeah, I think like Hutch said, I, I think it's honestly closer for Bryce Young than it is for Will Rogers. And it might just be a, a situation of circumstance, but I think Will Rogers didn't necessarily show it against Arkansas in Fayetteville, but he's had a fantastic season. He, he was up there. I think if if his team was in the situation of an Alabama where they're, you know, competing for an SEC championship, you'd see him with the the win and you get the Heisman scenarios. Um, he's just had a really special year. And I get that it's the air raid and that you're playing for Mike Leach. You're going to complete the passes and rack up the stats, but the efficiency that he's had throughout most of the season and being able to just get the ball, find the right spot to put it and, and keep moving it downfield has been really impressive. So here's another question for you guys. And it's, it's almost, it's basically the same exact question, but so last season, uh, Eli Drinkwitz in Missouri beat Sam Pittman in Arkansas. And then it, I, I just want to ask you guys, like, what other SEC coaches are you going to take over Sam Pittman? Because Lane Kiffin, you know, amazing season with Ole Miss this year. Are you going to take Lane Kiffin over Sam Pittman? Um, now you have Brian Kelly. You got to factor in what I mean, who I mean, you know, Nick Saban. But what other coaches, Hutch, are you going to take over Sam Pittman? Yeah, I mean, Nick Saban. And maybe Kirby Smart, you know, I feel like you've got to give him some credit for what he's done at Georgia. Uh, but, you know, he's a former Georgia player and, and probably, you know, just has that connection to that school. But, you know, I don't know if I'd take Lane Kiffin just because, you know, he's a guy that is always got a wandering eye, it seems like. He's always looking for the next job. Uh, whereas Sam Pittman, you know, he's going to be loyal to you. And so far, it's a small sample size, but so far he is recruiting at a really high level for Arkansas. Uh, you know, I don't, I wouldn't expect a Nick Saban. Well, maybe Nick Saban could, I don't know about that, uh, but you know, Kirby smart. I don't know if he would recruit at the same level as he's recruiting right now at Georgia at Arkansas. I don't think he'd be bringing in five-star after five-star uh, at Arkansas. Uh, Nick Saban, maybe just cause he's Nick Saban, but uh so I, I really don't know how many guys I would take over Sam Pittman just, you know, based on this limited sample size, uh, just because of how he is. He is all Arkansas, and you could tell that, that this, this job means something to him, and he's not going to just, you know, leave, you know, when the next job comes open like you think Elaine Kiffin would. So uh, it, it's a very small list, uh, just like it is with K.J. Jefferson. Yeah, you, you talk about that wandering eye from Lane Kiffin. I don't know if you guys saw on his Twitter account, he was posting pictures of, like, Louisiana license plate, Texas license plate. Um, and I think – obviously he was joking, but, you know, that's got to make some Ole Miss fans feel a little bit uneasy. Alex, is there any more names that you would add to that list? Yeah, I, I think I didn't necessarily factor in that, you know, he's in one spot and that's where he wants to be for the rest of his career. So that that, that might change a couple of things. But I, I had anywhere from five to seven guys that I think could could compete with him and, and the success that he's having. Like you mentioned, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban. I think Lane Kiffin is a very good coach. And I, I think one thing that you get with him also being in the spotlight all the time for maybe going to other places is that national media is keeping an eye on him and that that draws viewers and that draws eyes to your program uh, as well as recruiting um, and then Brian Kelly I think Mason you mentioned that's a great great coach he's done a lot at Notre Dame which is um, it's a national brand but it's not necessarily the easiest to get a ton done with because you don't have a conference and, and you're really not necessarily guaranteed that playoff spot even if you go undefeated because you don't have that extra game that a lot of teams 
uh, might have. Mark Stoops has done a really good job at Kentucky. And then um, two, two new guys, or I guess one new guy and one guy that um, ha- has been around the block. Mike Leach is either a great coach or a, uh, a really, you know, he struggles in, in certain game situations, but he's also kind of, uh, he, he rubs people the wrong way. Let's just say that. And, and I think um, you don't necessarily get that with Sam Pittman, but I think Billy Napier is another really interesting name the new coach at Florida um, because of what he built at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, it's I'm really, really excited to see what he can do. Maybe bring Anthony Richardson in next year for Florida, rather than, you know, sticking with the guy that they've or Emory Jones, who um, was kind of a mistake for Dan Mullen to stick around with this year. I think, uh, there's really an opportunity there for him to flourish, and I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do there. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up our Missouri talk. That was fun, a little bit of a different segment. Up next, we're going to talk some recruiting. Uh, we're going to talk about a deal we got going on at Hogby. You definitely want to listen for that. Then we're going to talk basketball, and then we're kind of just going to wrap up the football season here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. Back here on the Hog Beat Hour, presented by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers, locations in Fayetteville and Russellville. Stop and get you some and vote for them for best burger and fries in Northwest Arkansas. Hutch, there's a deal going on at Hogbeat.com. Um, technically, I think it's a Black Friday deal, but we're still running it. Yeah, we started it on Black Friday, but it's going to last for a full week. So if you're listening to this on the radio on Thursday night, you have one more day to hop on this deal. Uh, you get an annual subscription to hogbeat.com, and it's $20.21, 2021. Uh, you get your first full year for that price. That's about 80% off the usual price, which is about $100. Uh, so it's a heck of a deal, uh, and you get coverage of recruiting which we're getting ready to talk about here in this segment as well as you know football basketball is getting underway baseball is just around the corner so uh, lots of stuff to keep you busy plus access to the trough you know our premium message board uh, which is always really entertaining and, and can help you you know kill some time if you're you're trying to you know act like you're working but not actually working at work so uh, I encourage you to hop on that that's promo code rivals 2021 you can visit hogbeat.com, and the link for that is right across the top in a breaking news banner. So uh, go check that out. Yeah, whatever sport it is, basketball, football, especially baseball, Andrew Hutchinson is the best in the state of Arkansas, so you don't want to miss out on that. And then we also have Alex Trader and myself, um, but we're, we are no Andrew Hutchinsons. Um, but, Alex, let's, let's go to you. Arkansas gets a commitment on Thanksgiving. Uh, give us your recruiting update. Yeah, no, uh, 2023 three-star Anthony Evans commits really out of nowhere. I didn't know it was happening, Hutch. I don't believe you knew it was happening. I didn't hear of anyone that knew that that was coming. Um, but it's a big commitment for the Razorbacks. You know, it's a kid that they've been going after for a little bit um, out of, I believe it's Converse, Texas, in, uh, in, at Judson maybe. And he's, he's a big-time player. We're going to have a film breakdown of him out tonight on the hogbeat.com YouTube as well as on the site. So make sure you guys check that out, but it's a big pickup and it's the fourth, it's the fourth commit in that 2023 class. And it's really, you're seeing the momentum start to build. You've got a couple guys who are, who are maybe, you know, taking another visit or taking another look at Arkansas that, that maybe hadn't been before. Um, so Arkansas has a couple official visitors this weekend, Alex and Hutch. Um, Alex, who, who's going to be visiting? I, I believe there was just one at one point. Now there's going to be some more. Yeah, right now it looks like we're going to have uh, Sam and Bakke in town from uh, North or yeah, North Cobb, Georgia, as well as um, as well as James Jointer, who's already committed in the 2022 class. And Bakke is really the the white whale that, that the Razorback class is looking for. Um, from, from the outside, it looks like uh, in 2022 to kind of wrap everything up. He's a wide receiver, high three-star, did a film breakdown on him a couple weeks ago, and he's really, really talented and has a lot of a lot of really, you know, fundamentally sound things that he does that make a staff. You can see why so many, so many teams want him. And it's an offer sheet's pretty impressive. So it would be a, a big land for Arkansas to bring him in. Speaking of wide receiver, that is going to be a position of need for Arkansas next year. And with all these coaching changes around college football, including the Lincoln Riley to USC coaching change, this kind of creates, uh, I don't know if you would say like open season, but 
it, Arkansas can take advantage. And Hutch, I want to ask you, as far as transfer portal needs for the Hogs, what positions do you think they're going to target? I'm assuming wide receiver is going to be one. Yeah, you'd have to think they would probably try to add a wide receiver with Traylon Burks, most likely uh, going in the NFL. Uh, plus, you're losing super seniors, Tyson Morris and Davion Warren. Uh, there's there's going to be a hole there. I mean, you've got some young guys like, you know, Keytron Jackson, and uh, you've got Warren Thompson still on board. And so you, you've got some guys you think you could be good. But if you can go out and get a proven guy, then then go for it. And I think the the hot name and in Arkansas land these this week has been Jaden Hazelwood, uh, the former five-star recruit, number one wide receiver in his class uh, at, from Oklahoma. Uh, he's, he's been pretty good for the Sooners, but he went into the portal, uh, and everyone has suddenly made the connection, and it's, it's somewhat ex, you know, understandable considering his high school coach was Jimmy Smith, Arkansas's running backs coach. So there is a connection there. And, you know, and he probably could see, hey, Traylon Burks is leaving. I have a chance to step in and be that guy. Uh, however, uh, I hate to burst everyone's bubble. It sounds like he's going to follow Spencer Rattler wherever he goes. And right now it seems like that's Arizona State. That's based on what I've had some conversations with some Oklahoma people, and that's kind of how they see it going. But you never know. I mean, I, I've reached out to Jaden and tried to get some comments from him. Uh, he's one of those guys uh, that the Oklahoma people told me don't, doesn't really talk to a lot of people, doesn't really talk to reporters. So uh, it's probably going to be one of those things that kind of just surprises us if it happens. But uh, I would encourage Arkansas fans to not hold their breaths on it. Uh, but, you know, there could still be some other trickle-down effects. I mean, uh, there's been other portal guys for Oklahoma. I know they had a tight end that went in the portal that I know Arkansas fans would probably like. That's a position Arkansas could really use. Uh, they had a, a four-star linebacker committed that is decommitted that Arkansas would really like. That's a position they could still, you know, want to recruit or get a portal uh, addition. Uh, I don't believe uh, Kobe McKenzie is his name. It sounds like he's going to Texas, so I don't think that's going to be a possibility for Arkansas. Uh, tight ends could also be, as I said, a, a position. Uh, whereas I don't, I don't know if that Oklahoma guy is going to consider transferring to Arkansas. However, in the 2023 class, they have a four-star uh, heralded tight end from, uh, I believe, Broken Arrow. No, Bixby, I want to say. One of those Tulsa schools. Uh, Luke Has, I think is how he pronounced his last name. Uh, Arkansas was really high on him uh, whenever, you know, in the recruiting process before he committed to Oklahoma. And it sounds like they're still pushing hard for him. They've already got two tight ends in the 2023 class. You know, maybe they add him. He would certainly be uh, talented enough to add him. You, you want to bring him in. Uh, so there, there's still some dominoes to fall. I don't expect it having a huge impact on Arkansas, the whole Lincoln Riley to USC thing. Uh, but it certainly is something to uh, keep an eye on and, and keeping, the, keeping the trough busy over on Hogbeat uh, this week. Now, before we wrap up the recruiting segment here, Alex, you made a future cast, and then you also wrote about the visitors for last weekend's Missouri game. So uh, fill us in on both of those. Yeah, and, you know, plugging that Black Friday deal one more time, if, if you all want to see the, or hear the, the full reasoning behind why I made the future cast, um, go check go check out the trough because that's where you're going to find all, all that, uh, you know, top – top tier recruiting information, the, the real deep dives more, more so than just the surface level talk. But I did future cast Caleb James to the university of Arkansas. Um, he is a 2023 defensive end out of Nolan Catholic. Uh, Arkansas has been pushing hard. He's been on two, two visits to Fayetteville as well as going to the Southwest classic in Jerry's world this year. Uh, wish Sam Pittman a happy birthday on Twitter. You know, there's just a, he seems Arkansas seems to be pushing hard and there seems to be some mutual interest landed in his top six last week. I can't remember if we talked about that on the hogbeat hour, but um, it, it just, th there's a lot going on there and there's a lot of moving parts. So I, I think that could be a really interesting look at a guy who may maybe at some point deciding to join that class. Um, also, he was in town this weekend like Charles Jagusa offensive lineman out of, uh, I believe it's rock Island, Illinois. Um, and I was able to talk to him and get a story up on Hogbeat yesterday. So, so go check that out to hear what he thought about the visit. Um, but it, it wasn't a huge, huge visitor class. Sean Davian Bradley was also there out of Missouri, but um, it, it was a, an important class or a, an important group for that 2023 class. And I believe for what, um, for what coach Pittman is trying to, to kind of 
wrap up there and continue to start building that momentum into that 2023 group. All right, guys. Well, up next, <clears throat> we're going to talk about the Arkansas basketball team. They had a couple games, including uh, two wins over Penn and UCA. We'll recap those, and then we'll uh, talk some more football here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. We're going to talk some Razorback basketball this segment. Before we do, we are presented by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. If, if you're listening on the radio, this won't make a whole lot of sense, but if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that they have locations in Fayetteville and in Russellville. The phone number and the address are here on my background. Um, go try CJ's Best Burger in Northwest Arkansas and vote them for Best Burger in Northwest Arkansas and fries. Um, so Arkansas beats Penn on Sunday, and then they beat UCA on Wednesday. Let's start with the pin game. Afterwards, Hutch, Eric Musselman, was pretty disappointed in the turnovers. They had 15 turnovers against Penn. Um, it seems like after the game, he was very frustrated. Then he went home, and things changed a little bit. But just talk about how he felt after the game. Yeah, it's amazing what can happen when you go home and you talk to your wife and they kind of put things into perspective. But, yeah, he, he was not happy after that game. You would not have known Arkansas won that game by, I think, 16 points and were in control uh, pretty much the entire game. So, uh, but, yeah, the, I, I, could, I could understand his frustrations. I mean, I don't think Penn was a team that really forces a lot of turnovers, and yet there you go and you make, you know, 15 turnovers. And as, as Eric Mussman said – a lot of those turnovers were just really bad decisions, trying to make home run passes, uh, trying to make passes that just weren't there, you know, threading the needle. Uh, and, you know, even, even Jalen Williams, who has been arguably the best passer on the team had four turnovers in that game, just very uncharacteristic, very sloppy. They seemed to kind of play down to their competition, which, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a moment. They did again in, in the first half against UCA uh, but yeah, it, it was definitely a point of emphasis for Eric Musselman uh, after the game, uh, and he was he was not happy about it. Like as I say, you would not have known Arkansas won that game just listening to his post game comments. I think a lot of what he he got at was the the inconsist inconsistency of the turnovers because if you look, it's like they they had a the first game I believe they opened it up they had they had double digit turnovers. And then the next two games, it was five turnovers and nine turnovers. And then they go to Kansas city. And I think they averaged like 12 turnovers a game in Kansas city at the hall of fame classic. Um, but it, it, it's the inconsistency, inconsistency, I believe that Musselman is a little bit disappointed in. Um, but that's, that's going to come with a team where you're trying to mesh all these guys together. Hutch. And um, we saw, we saw Memphis lose to Auburn or not Auburn, Georgia on Wednesday night. And Penny Hardaway said after the game that he, they have so many players that want to be the best player and they want to be the top scorer. And um, I think – I don't know if you have that with Arkansas, but you have so many guys that came in like a Chris Likes, like a Stanley Amude, who were the top scorer on their previous team, and now they have to figure out their role here at Arkansas. Yeah, and Eric Mussman said it a couple of times, you know, either after the game and I think also in his post-game radio uh, conversation with Chuck Barrett saying that this is a challenging team to coach. And I thought that was kind of an interesting statement. And I actually asked Muss about it uh, the next day when we had a chance to talk to him. And he just kind of explained how, you know, this, this team is still trying to find their roles. I mean, these guys are all still new to each other. They're still trying to get things figured out and um, you know, it, it's, it's something that's going to be a work in progress, I think, throughout the rest of non-conference play. And that's why it's probably a good thing you're playing teams like Penn and, uh, you know, UCA, Little Rock, teams that aren't necessarily, you know, Kansas or Duke, because those teams would probably eat Arkansas alive right now. And uh, Arkansas's top 10 ranking, it, it might be a little bit of, uh, you know, still giving them credit for last year's run. I know our, our message board people have been saying, you know, Arkansas does not look like a top 10 team, but here they are seven and zero, and they've not really been challenged too much. I mean, Cincinnati gave them a run, uh, but you know, Kansas state that ended up being a close score, but they really controlled that game start to finish and wasn't as close as the final score indicated. So uh, all things considered, you got to be happy with where Arkansas is. 
considering they 100% have not been playing up to their full potential. Yeah, when, when I have people talk to me about the Arkansas basketball team so far this season, I just say look back at Eric Musselman's first two seasons at Arkansas. And the, the first few games in non-conference, they are an inconsistent team trying to figure out who they are, trying to mesh together. And then you see towards the end of the year that they start to pick it up and they start to play like a really good basketball team, especially last season. So I personally am not super worried about this team because what they do is – even though they get down and even though they struggle in the first half and at times in the second half, they find ways to win basketball games. And that's what a good basketball team does. Um, but uh, we talked about Stanley Amude earlier, but this is a guy that coming into the season, he was supposed to be like your offensive guy. And he hasn't shown that until the past two games against Penn and UCA against Penn. He scored 19 points. UCA led the team with 17 points. Hutch, do you think that he's, he's finally getting comfortable um, we've seen him hit some of those turnaround jumpers. He's getting some of those dunks. This is a guy that Arkansas might have to rely on moving forward if they want to play some small ball. Yeah, we're finally seeing the Stanley Amude that we all thought we were going to see whenever Arkansas landed him out of the portal. Uh, he's a guy at South Dakota that averaged like 21 points a game, was one of the top scorers in college basketball, has scored uh, just a ton of points. You know, I want to say over 1,500, maybe 2,000 points in his career. Uh, and he just he could not hit water if he fell out of a boat the first few games of the season. He was just really, really struggling, uh, struggling around the basket, struggling with his mid-range. Uh, but these last two games, he's been, he's been pretty efficient, especially in the first half against UCA. He had 15 points. I want to say he was like 6 of 11 from the floor. Uh, you mentioned those, those turnaround mid-range jumpers. Uh, he's been cutting to the basket, getting dunks. He's even knocked down a few three-pointers, and, and that's kind of what we saw out of Stanley Amude at South Dakota. Obviously, a totally different level than the SEC, uh, but he was a guy that could score at all three levels, and, and Eric Mussman had talked about that. And uh, to finally see him get that going and everything, that's a huge, really good positive sign for Arkansas and something you got to hope can, you know, can keep it up because I know the first couple of games went by and everyone was saying, oh, gosh, is he another Vance Jackson? But – uh, he has already exceeded anything Vance Jackson did last year, and you got to hope that he's able to do that, you know, once we get into SEC play as well. Um, you talked about that first half of Mude had against UCA, but that was one of the lone bright spots for the Arkansas offense against the Bears, and even the Arkansas defense didn't do well. Um, Hutch, you, you talked earlier about how Arkansas is playing down to their competition. They definitely did that in the first half against UCA because UCA was a terrible basketball team. Uh, I, I'm from Conway but I can admit that they were a bad basketball team. Um, and it was, a, it was just so hard to watch that first half of basketball. And Alex, I want to ask you, I mean, does it seem like Arkansas's best player is just like going to halftime? That's, that's the best thing that could ever happen for Arkansas is just go to halftime, listen to what Must have to, has to say, and then come back out and play with a fire under you. Yeah, it's really, you know, they say great teams are able to make adjustments at halftime, and that's really what Muss has been able to do. I'm not ready to call this team great yet, but I think they're the parts are all there, like you guys have been talking about. There, there's there's reasons that a team comes into the season as the preseason number 16. There's reasons that a team comes in and has all these expectations. And I, I think we haven't necessarily seen a, a full 40-minute basketball game of that. We've seen the second half where, where this team looks great, and we've seen – uh, at points in the first half where it looks like, oh, maybe they've got it fixed. I thought early in the UCA game, you know, oh, maybe this team's got it fixed. They're going to run away with this run from start to finish, and it's going to be going to be just, you know, a, a, an easy, easy blowout. And it's 35 to 41 at half. Like, you're, you're just not going to see those blowouts, at least not yet. And um, I, I guess it is good to have that kind of dogfight mentality that you're going to need when you get in against better teams in, in, in conference play. But you don't necessarily want to be taking those those tight games against UCA, Cincinnati, Kansas State, maybe Oklahoma next week. Those are the games you want to really build that dog gene. Um, and I guess if you get it sooner, better. But the, those are ones you kind of do want to to wrap up early. This Arkansas team is shooting just twenty eight point eight percent from three. And from my perspective, I watch this team, and I think sometimes they make the extra pass when they don't have to. And a lot of that is behind the arc, just from my perspective. 
And I, I want to ask you, Hutch, like, do you think that sometimes they don't need to make that extra pass and they just need to take the wide open, easy shot? If they miss it, they miss it, but take the shots that you're given. Yeah, there's been a few times where I've seen guys pass up an open three. You know, Jalen Williams is one of those guys, and you wouldn't necessarily think, hey, he's 6'10", he's a big man, he doesn't need to be shooting threes, but he is a capable three-point shooter. He did it in high school, uh, and he's shown glimpses of it at the college level. So you'd like to maybe see him pull it because that would make him even more dangerous. If he's got just the threat, like, hey, this guy might shoot it, that's going to open things up, spread the floor, uh, you know, I think I want to say Stanley Amude has passed up some of those, but it was maybe more earlier in the season. Uh, he's starting to take those now. Uh, but yeah, there, there's been some. I even saw J.D. Note uh, pass up a, a three-pointer or two the last couple of games, and I think that may just be a byproduct of him really struggling from the three-point line. Uh, he's a guy that is usually – he's a guy that could get scorching hot and, and hit like five threes in a row, and boom, the game's over. Uh, but the last few weeks – uh, he is on a very, very cold streak. He went, I think, 0 for 6 or 0 for 7 against Penn. Uh, he finally did knock down one against UCA. Uh, but he's still not shooting at a high clip uh, from beyond the arc. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how that develops throughout the season because on paper, this looks like a team that should be able to shoot and make three-pointers. We just haven't seen it except for maybe you know one or two games really early in the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you there on the Jalen Williams thing. I watched him play a lot of basketball in high school, and I watched him make a lot of three-pointers in high school. So every time he he does that, little, he, he pump fakes a lot from three when he's wide open, and then he'll pass it. And sometimes I just wish he would take those. But um, at the end of the day, Arkansas is winning basketball games, and that's what matters. Um, but so let's talk about Devo Davis before we wrap this up. Because um, Devo Davis was one of – one of the players that you're, you're looking at this Arkansas roster coming into the season, he's a guy who's really important and he struggled a lot early on. And uh, after that UCA, after the UCA game, we kind of found out that really all he had to do was put a smile on his face and then he would play like he's supposed to Hutch. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that, that last year was a, a role player. I mean, he started, you know, down the stretch and, and played like a star, but he was really just a, an overachieving role player, I think is how someone put it on the trough. And I think that's a really good, accurate description. And uh, part of that is just, he was so high energy, always looked like he was having fun out there, diving on loose balls, you know, playing really hard defense, just really high energy guy. And, and I think, you know, maybe him having to, to kind of move over to that point guard role and him thinking a little bit more and, and kind of having some early struggles, maybe he lost a little bit of that spark and, and, uh, he said after the game, as you mentioned, you know, he talked to his mom, he talked to his grandma, uh, even Coach Musselman uh, talked to him about it and said, hey, you just got to smile and have fun out there. And uh, it seemed like he got back to his old ways. Like he scored 16 points against UCA. And a lot of those uh, were uh, in the second half, you know, taking, you know, getting out in transition and, and making layups and fast break layups and, and things of that nature. And uh, we still haven't necessarily seen him heat up, you know, in the mid range, like we saw him do last year, uh, but him getting out in transition and getting layups like he was uh, that that's a really good sign and, and will help Arkansas tremendously uh, if he can keep that going in the next uh, you know few weeks and, and into SEC play. Moving forward for the Razorback basketball team, they will take on Little Rock at 3 PM uh, central time this Saturday in Bud Walton arena. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for our Hoops Talk. Up next, we're going to talk some football, maybe MVP of the season for Arkansas. Um, look at some of Hutch's amazing, his famous Hutch stats, and then uh, we'll wrap it up here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. We're going to talk about the season for Arkansas football. But before we do, we're presented by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. Last time I'm going to say it, go check them out. Locations in Fayetteville and Russellville. You won't be disappointed. And vote them for best burger and best fries in Northwest Arkansas because they are the best burger and best fries in Northwest Arkansas. You shouldn't vote for anybody else. Um, Andrew Hutchinson, Arkansas, comes in at number 23 in the AP poll, um, number 22 in the college football playoff rankings uh if arkansas wins a bowl game i mean this is a team that could finish top 20 in the nation who would have expected that uh i guess if you are just like 
a super diehard fan and had your rose colored glasses on and just totally didn't look at anything else, you probably saw it coming, but man, uh, what a, what a phenomenal season for Arkansas eight and four. Uh, I made the comment before the season that uh, if Arkansas won eight games that Sam Pittman should be sec coach of the year. And I still think he has a very strong case. I just did not anticipate Georgia having uh, the best defense we've seen in college football in a decade. So uh, I don't know if Sam Pittman's going to be recognized for it, but man, he has done an incredible job uh, restoring respectability uh, last year, uh, then taking it to the next step and being a ranked team uh, most of this season and, and having a chance to play in a bowl game in Florida, possibly, uh, and, and possibly winning a ninth game. Just a, a truly remarkable job he's done and uh, been, been really fun to cover, to be honest. So we, I mentioned the bowl game, Hutch. You did a story about possible bowl destinations for Arkansas. Um, are, are, you, are you hearing any chatter about what bowls they might go to, or um, do you have uh, more confidence in one over some of the others? Yeah, on Friday when Arkansas played Missouri, I was kind of hearing that the Gator Bowl was, was very likely, you know, the, the bowl game in, in Jacksonville. Uh, but that was before Texas A&M went and lost to LSU. And you're now you're thinking, hey, you know, maybe just maybe the Citrus Bowl is, is on the table. You know, the Outback Bowl or the uh, the game in Orlando, uh, the Outback Bowl in Tampa could also be a possibility. Those are two New Year's Day games. Uh, and those are those are the bigger, bigger deals. I mean, they're not New Year's six, but they're the next level. And uh, the Citrus Bowl gets the top pick beyond the New Year's six. Uh, you've got uh Ole Miss, Alabama, and Georgia likely heading to the playoffs slash the New Year's Six. And then the Citrus Bowl, who are you going to take? Are you going to take Texas A&M, who has an identical record and a loss to Arkansas? Are you going to take Kentucky, who has beaten literally nobody uh, and gone nine and three? Or are you going to take Arkansas, who is eight and four, ranked higher in the college football playoff poll, and they've got a fan base that's probably going to travel better than especially Texas A&M because the fans are excited about being in a bowl game in Florida for the first time in forever. So I, I would not be surprised if Arkansas goes to the Citrus, Citrus Bowl, uh, but if not that game, uh, the Outback or the Gator Bowl, one of those Florida Bowls I think is, is where Arkansas is going to end up. Do you have a preference, Hutch, of which bowl game you would rather travel to? I mean, all of them are – are about the same. I mean, they're all in Florida. Uh, flights are going to be expensive regardless uh, with it being the holiday. I mean, I've been, I, I was just in Orlando during the bye week uh, for an anniversary trip with my wife. Uh, so I wouldn't mind going to Tampa or Jacksonville just to have something different. Uh, but you can't complain if you're going to be playing in Florida, you know, you're going to be able to wear shorts and t-shirt and not have to worry about, you know, 20 degree weather at the Liberty Bowl or you know, something like that. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to be happy with one of those Florida Bulls and let's just leave it like that. Yeah, it is. It is a beautiful thing that Arkansas will most likely not be going to the Liberty Bowl or the Texas Bowl again. So, um, but let's talk. Let, we kind of mentioned Traylon Burks earlier in the episode. Let's talk about him a little bit more. Is the bowl game going to be the last time we see him in an Arkansas uniform? Because we kind of talked before we started recording. Like Burks is a he's a different animal. He's a guy that m might come back because he just loves playing for Arkansas, um, and we th we think that he's definitely going to play in the bowl game. So Hutch, I mean, this is I mean, it's probably the last time we're going to see him in an Arkansas uniform, though. Yeah, most likely. I mean, this guy's a first round talent, and and I had heard earlier in the season that you know if he wasn't a lock to be a first round pick, that he would come back and. So there was a possibility, but I just think he's played so well that there's no way that a team's not going to take him in the first 32 picks. Uh, I think he's going to be a first-round pick and therefore uh, go pro. I think if when he does that and he goes and tests in the NFL Combine, I mean, we talked about it earlier, and you know, Alex mentioned how you know deep of a, a wide receiver class this is, but I think if he goes to the Combine and tests and, and runs well and, and everyone sees just kind of what the kind of a physical specimen he is, then uh, he's going to go a little bit higher than where he's projected right now. That's just my opinion. Uh, but he is incredible, and I'm going to savor this one last opportunity to watch him play because he has been just a joy to watch. And 
you know, you were talking earlier about, you know, will he play in the bowl game? Will he not? You know, that's a, it's a conversation you have to have for guys of his caliber uh, for, you know, non new year six, non college football playoff bowl games. But this is a guy that, that loves his teammates. He loves playing for Arkansas. He doesn't give, you know, two, uh, you know, flying, you know, what's about what he does as far as records and where he's, you know, in the ranked in the country or up for awards or anything like that. And so he is, he is a different dude and I, I fully expect him to play, but it's probably gonna be the last time we see him in an Arkansas uniform. Alex MVP of the Arkansas team this season. Is it Traylon Burks? Is it KJ Jefferson? maybe somebody else i feel like those are your two top candidates but maybe you think it's somebody else yeah no those i think have to be your two and um you might be looking at like a co-heisman type of thing right now because what kj has done has just been so impressive i, I think the team asked him to get to 65 percent, and you know he, he's sitting right around that a little bit better it's, it's just been it's been a great year for kj and i i didn't expect him to have this type of an impact on the team coming into the year i thought when you saw those first couple of games where it was run, 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 that we were going to see that all through the year. And really uh, the run game, it's still been there, but it hasn't been as prevalent uh, in the, these last couple of wins. It's really been a lot of, Hey, KJ Jefferson's making the right decisions to set up the rest of the offense. And I think really when you're looking at, at quarterback versus any other position on the field, it, it's hard to match up with that. But if you're going to have any guy to do it, I think it's Traylon Burks. Hutch, you, you tweeted out a, a, a tweet about K.J. Jefferson and his interceptions this year and how many passes it's been, and it, it a lot of people interacted with it. So kind of talk about those stats that you broke down. Yeah, K.J. Jefferson has not thrown an interception in 170 straight passes, uh, which is incredible in its own right. That's the second longest streak in school history. Tyler Wilson has one that's a little bit longer at 184. Very good chance that record falls in the bowl game, uh, assuming KJ doesn't slip up and, and throw an interception. However, the last interception he threw, if you remember, was in that Ole Miss game at the very end of the first half. Uh, they, they were going to maybe try a long field goal. Then they said, no, let's try a Hail Mary. They throw a Hail Mary in the end zone, and an Ole Miss guy comes down with it. Totally pointless. It's no different than a, you know, an incomplete pass. You see that all the time on, on Hail Marys. Had that pass just fallen incomplete, his – uh, consecutive passes without an interception I believe would be at like 238 I want to say uh, that would shatter obviously Tyler Wilson's record but it would also be one of the longest uh, streaks in in SEC history I believe it'd be fifth on that list uh, just truly remarkable and and the the other interceptions he threw I mean the the one against Texas was the last real legitimate interception he threw and you know, maybe he could have put a little bit more air on the ball, but it was also a really good play by Texas's really good safety. I can't remember his name, but a really good player made a really good play. Uh, otherwise, it probably would have been a touchdown to Keytron Jackson. Uh, then the other interception was in the opener against Rice, I believe the first half, and uh, that was that was probably his worst throw of the season. He was trying to force a pass to the sideline. It was not there. I mean, obviously, anybody watching the game could have seen that it was a bad throw, bad decision, and it was intercepted. And you know, when he made that throw, you're thinking, uh-oh, you know, maybe this is going to be a first-year starter who has some throws like that throughout the season. But he has really cleaned it up and been just really, really good completing passes. He's completed like 76% of his passes in the month of November against the likes of Mississippi State, LSU, Alabama, and Missouri. That's just incredible. Uh, he has been nothing short of phenomenal. And honestly – as good as Traylon Burks has been, Traylon Burks is probably the most talented guy and the best player on the team. But if you're talking true MVP, most valuable player, it's probably KJ Jefferson because if KJ goes down, I don't know if Arkansas is a bowl team. Uh, that to be quite honest, I, I really think he was that important to them. And I think he would get my vote for MVP if we were voting on it. I I mean, I can't, I can't say you're wrong there. I, I think that we saw that, especially in the Texas A&M game when K.J. Jefferson went down, the offense just couldn't move the ball. And you're right. If, if Jefferson's not there, does this team even win six games? Um, but let's talk, about, let's talk about some super seniors for uh, next season. Arkansas had plenty of super seniors this year. Um, you know, the Sam Pittman effect, people want to play for him. But, Hutch, um, what, are there any guys that you're, you're confident in coming back for a sixth season? 
Well, one we know for sure is coming back is Dalton Wagner, uh, the starting right tackle. Uh, sometimes fans think he's terrible. Sometimes pro football focus uh, does not, you know, think that uh, that the fans are right that he's actually pretty good. Uh, he's coming back. You'd like to think, you know, maybe bumper pull. You could maybe convince him to come back. You really need him at that linebacker spot. Um, trying to think of some other guys. You know, you'd love to have Monteric Brown back. Don't know if he's going to, you know, Traylon Smith is another guy who could come back as a, a super senior. Uh, but do you really need him to come back as deep as that running back room is? Plus, you've got a couple of guys coming in in this recruiting class. So it's going to be interesting to see how many of those guys come back, especially with all of them counting toward the 85-man limit. So uh, I would say, you know, maybe John Ridgeway would be another guy. But if you could get four of those guys to come back, I think that would be really good and, and kind of give Arkansas a really solid foundation for next season. Alex Trader, let's go ahead and uh, finish it with you here. Um, let's talk about some young guys who might who might benefit from bowl practices. Um, I, I'm thinking specifically in the wide receiver room, but can you think of uh, any young guys who are really going to benefit from this? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to see what Keytron Jackson will be able to bring to the team next year. I, I think I've been kind of high on him all year and, and seeing the potential that he has and, and, you know, seeing the flashes that he had a big touchdown against UAPB. Um, I, I think the secondary really, you know, could become a no-fly zone if they're able to to get out there and get those reps and continue to grow. Because it is, it is you know, outside of, outside of those couple guys who are out on the field now, it's a young group. You don't necessarily have – a whole lot of veteran presence back there. Um, linebackers, I think if you're not able to convince Bumper to Bumper Pool to stay, then those extra practices for guys, uh, guys in that group is big as well. But I, I really think, you know, that's one of the big things for coaches. These games might not mean as much to fans as the college world playoff or the New Year's Six Bowls. But if you're able to pick up these extra practices, then you're really setting yourself up to be successful for the next year. And, and I think that would be a huge jump start, especially, you know, we saw 2020, they, this team didn't get a spring season with Sam Pittman, didn't get fall camp. Um, and, and having these extra 10 practices would be, would kind of make up for that a little bit and show us, hey, you saw what I could do with a shortened season. Let's see what I can do with a little bit of a longer one. All right, that's going to wrap us up here on the Hogbeat Hour. Go take advantage of the Black Friday deal at hogbeat.com. You don't want to miss out on that. Go try CJ's. Go vote CJ's. Best burger, best fries. For Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, I'm Mason Choate. Have a great week.